I was just wondering if uh, anybody voted in the Fat Bear Contest from uh, at Katamai National Park. They hold a contest where in this time, fall time of year, they take pictures of all the grizzly bears there in the park, and you vote online for the fattest bear. And uh, so this has taken place already. Otis down there in the bottom right was the winner. These bears, they, they, this time of year, right before winter, they go and they gorge themselves with food and build up all this fat, the fish and the berries and everything, and then they hibernate. You can take the picture down. They hibernate. You know, they, they're, they're not dead, but they're not alive. It's a state. They don't eat. They don't have any... They really, they just, their heart's beating, but they're not alive. Have you ever, you, have any of you ever experienced spiritual hibernation? You're not dead, but you're really not alive. I have. I've gone through those dry periods. You know, for various reasons, I don't know, maybe it's just my sin nature gets a hold of me, and I'm just, I'm just going through the motions. I'm not really spiritually alive. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. What an exciting day for our church that we can celebrate communion together this morning, celebrate baptisms this evening. Lord, what a, what a privilege that is. Let us, let us really consider today what you have for us. And Lord, if we're in a point of spiritual hibernation that we would wake up and feed on you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Throughout Scripture, God uses different physical uh, examples to illustrate spiritual truth historically through, through different ceremonies, through, through different covenants. The covenant of marriage, you know, is an example of God's covenant with us, and we are the bride of Christ. Even from the beginning, and Adam and Eve's sin, and they, they realized their nakedness, so they sewed up their, their fig leaf garments, and God said, that's not good enough. What you, what you did, your work, is not good enough. And God killed, shed the blood of animals and made garments to cover Adam and Eve. A picture, a picture of, of us. You know, as we went through this, the first part of Romans the last number of weeks, if you don't realize your nakedness and your hopelessness and the utter fallacy of you being able to 
work out a covering for it. And then we realize that God said, shed his own son's blood for covering for us. As we get to the new covenant, to, to our life in Christ, we see two sacraments that God instituted for us to be an example, a reminder, a picture of what he has done for us spiritually. The first one is baptism, one and done. We're going we're gonna to celebrate that and experience that this evening. Many years ago, Wally preached a sermon, and I know it's many years ago because it was in the old church, on baptism. It was the, the message I have ever heard to, to take the, the physical baptism and, and apply it to our spiritual lives. He had three points that, that baptism represented. One is we bury the old self, the old sinful nature. We bury it and we arise in a new life in Christ. A changed heart. It also represents of our Jesus washing our sins away. We go in the water and it washes us and we arise to a new life. Cleansed by the blood of Christ. And then the third was of pickling. You take a cucumber and you submerge it in the pickle juice. And when you pull it out, it's a new creature. It's a new creation. It has a different flavor permeated through the middle of that cucumber and becomes a pickle. Example of us being submerged in the Holy Spirit in Christ and we come out with a different flavor. One event with multiple spiritual applications. Baptism, one and done. We only need it once when we truly give our lives and commit our lives by faith to Jesus Christ. And then the other one is communion that we're going to celebrate later this morning. It's repeatable. In 1 Corinthians Paul writes them, uh, chapter 11, verses starting at the end of verse 23, Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of, my new, of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Do this. Repeat it. Remember. Continue to remember. And obviously, as we take communion, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We remember his broken body hanging on the cross. Remember his blood spilled, paying the penalty, redeeming us with the price of his broken body and 
the blood he shed. We remember that. But I would challenge us today that we're also to remember another aspect of Jesus. And that is our daily bread. And so this morning I would like to look at the sixth chapter of John. It's page 892 in your pew Bible. And obviously this is before the Last Supper. It's during Jesus' ministry. And as a little, uh, I want to look at verses 52 through 59 specifically this morning. But a little background is, is, is taking place here. Jesus had fed the 5,000 people. If you, re, uh, if you know that story, Jesus had been out preaching, a huge crowd gathered. And by the end of the day, they were hungry, no food. And they found a little boy, a young lad, that had five small barley loaves and two fish. And Jesus broke that and blessed it and fed 5,000 people. I think it was even maybe just said men. And so there was even more with women and children with those five loaves and two fishes. And then he took leave, went across the, the sea, uh, that was uh, Sea of Galilee, and he, that was the night he walked on the water and scared the disciples. And so the next day, the crowd uh, comes and follows him, figures out that he had left. And they, they start following him and, and crowding around him again. And in verse 26, Jesus answered, them truly truly i say to you you mean not because you saw signs but because you ate your fill of the loaves i mean these people figured we got a good thing going here we follow this guy and he feeds us he takes care of all our needs our physical needs this must be the messiah he's going to wipe out the romans and, and we're just going to live the good life And Jesus starts talking to them. Verse 30, and they said to him, Then what sign do you do for what may we see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Talk about setting themselves up for a good lesson. Hey, Jesus... Moses gave us all this uh, manna, took care of our needs. What are you going to do? See, another example, a historical example of, of God taking his people and an example for us today and the new covenant. The Hebrews were slaves in Egypt to sin, born sinners. And Jesus, or God, told, gave Moses instructions to everyone should pick out the perfect lamb and sacrifice that lamb and put it, the blood on the doorpost and eat that lamb for the journey ahead, for nourishment. 
And just as Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God, shed his blood that we might escape the slavery of sin. Then they marched through the Red Sea, the water baptism, and then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Aren't we wandering in the wilderness? Anybody feel like you're wandering in the wilderness? And yet God gave them the daily manna. God gave them nourishment so that they would live. And then they crossed the Jordan, would represent our physical death, and lived in a promised land flowing with milk and honey, our eternity with Jesus in heaven. But during those 40 years, and this is a big thing to be talking to Jesus, hey, our fathers lived on that manna. What do you do for us? What are you going to do for us? And Jesus says in verse 49, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. That manna did not sustain life. It gave them strength for the journey, but in the end, it did not sustain life. But he says, I got a better, I am the true bread. You see, the, the Hebrews, as they ate the manna, Hebrews tell us they died because of their unbelief. They didn't really tr- believe in the true manna, in the spiritual manna that God wanted them to provide them. And Jesus said, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now this really, this was really starting to bother the people listening. You know, this, this was repulsive to think of eating a person's flesh. They were missing the point. They were still focused on the physical and not on the spiritual. Then, Jew, then the Jews then dispute, disputed among themselves, verse 50, uh, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever, and here's a note that I want you to see. As Jesus responded to them, the word eat in verse 53 is the Greek word phago. It means to eat. Sit down to a meal, eat. Get your fill and get up and go. And some translations keep the word the same. The ESV, that's our pew Bible, of course says, whoever feeds on my flesh. 
and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For us, it, it's, it doesn't seem a lot different. For those people in that day, they realized what Jesus was starting to say here. In verse 54, the word is trogo. And it means to gnaw and to chew and to slowly continue chewing. A continuous. The, word, the difference between, well, I'm going to eat and be done and I'm going to feed. Continue action. You want to live? You need to feed on me. Continuing 57, as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue at Capernaum. So as we prepare to take communion this morning, I have a few questions that I would like you to answer in the quiet of your heart. First of all, have you accepted Jesus? Have you taken and eaten and drank of his body and his blood? The sacrifice that he Gave and redeemed us from that depraved, sinful life. But as you take communion, I want to ask you what are you feeding your soul? What's influencing you in your everyday life, in your activities, in your thoughts, in your desires? Are you feeding your soul with 24-hour news, social media, peers, academia, entertainment, sports, accomplishments, you name it? Are you feeding on Jesus? The Word became flesh and dwells. Are you feeding on the Word? Whether reading, meditating, listening to the music that, that speaks of God's word, speaks of Jesus. Where do your thoughts go? You know, there's a huge advantage of being a preacher, of preparing a message. For weeks, your mind is constantly going back to the passage that you're preparing a message for. It's the greatest blessing of being, a, that I, for me anyway, as a lay minister. To just be putting God's word in my heart, in my soul, in my thoughts. When I wake up in the middle of the night, when I'm in a, in a job that doesn't keep, take a lot of concentration.
How many minutes? A day? A week? A month? Is your soul feeding on Jesus? On the Word? Your heart to the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Moment? Minutes? Hours? Days? Third, what is hindering you from feeding on Jesus? Is it business, occupation? Let's face it, many of us are under pressures at our jobs that we never experienced before. More recently and less help. Just the cares of this world. Oh, they're out there. And we all face them. Our responsibilities. Just our lack of desire for God and His Word. And our maybe three out of four Sundays, two out of four Sundays, that's enough. That's all I need. You know, as we were studying Romans, and as seeing my depravity without God just increases the desire to know Him. I mean, when you think about the very word communion, to commune, what does that mean to you? That's a relationship. That's an active relationship. Looked up the definition. One of the definitions was to be in intimate communication or rapport. See verse 55 and 56. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. That's communion. We in him, and he in us. I have another question. What are you feeding your children? Oh, Brady does that. Mike Smith takes care of that. What are you feeding your children? I looked up, uh, I googled, and I'm just going to read a portion of them, verses on feeding on the Word. And again, the Word became flesh. And there's, you can't separate the Word and the Spirit, and Jesus. First Peter 2.2, 2, like newborn infants long for this pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. 
Matthew 4, 4, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Job 23, 12, and think of Job in the most desperate situation. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Jeremiah in a good situation either. That might have been when he was in the mud pit. I don't know. Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. John 6.63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit. Psalm 119, 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Can you write those words? Can you read those words and say, that's me? That's me? How can we battle temptation? How can we have the peace of God that passes understanding rule in our hearts? How can we be the spouse that God has called us to be? How can we be the parent God has called us to be? How can we be the child that God has called me to be if I don't feed on him? We're going to close with a song and then uh, we'll do uh, communion together. And as you take communion... Surely consider Jesus' sacrifice for you and for me. But also consider, is this an ongoing process in my life that I am feeding on him? Let's pray, and then the group will lead us in a closing song. Jesus, you are our strength. You nourishment. Lord, without you, we are desperate. We are not dead, but we are not alive. I just pray that you would be real in each of our lives, that we would desire to know you better. And Lord, that you would feed us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.